we had a place that was 2,500 square feet with, you know, th three, sorry, four desks and three people. And anytime someone, you know, bought that open desk, we just used their money and bought the next desk and so on and so forth. And we are celebrating our 10th year this year. What does life look like after you turn 30? How much of an impact can the question, what do I need and how do I get there, have on your life? Well, today's guest answers these questions and more as he shares his journey with us. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Odin Domingo, president and founding partner at Cahoots, as well as co-founder of the Cahoots Foundation. My name is Odin Domingo. I'm the president and founding partner at Cahoots, which is a co-working space here in Phoenix. We were the first co-working space in the area. No one was doing co-working back then in 2010. We were really the first one for four years. We didn't, when we started Cahoots, we didn't even know what, what co-working was. We just needed a place like Cahoots and just didn't exist then, so decided to do it. Um, I am also a founding partner or co-founder of our nonprofit, which is called the Cahoots Foundation, where we focus on business, technology, entrepreneurship, education. Our target audience is communities of color and underrepresented entrepreneurs and trying to lift their voices and lift their talents, making sure that they have you know, the, the connections and the knowledge and whatever else they, you know, whatever they need to help them get to where they want to go. We try our best to provide that. And I am not in my 30s anymore. My birthday was like two days ago or whatever it was and found my first white hair on my lip. And I was like, wow, you, you just, you couldn't give me at least like three days. It was just literally right after I turned 40 um, is when I, I started getting that a little salt in my pepper. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you. But that was just a little nugget. I don't know if you guys needed that, but... It shows that you're wise. That's what you're telling the audience here. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you know you know, where I'm getting at. So what led you all to start Cahoots? So we only have 30 minutes, so I'll keep this to 29. My wife and I were first working together at the Arizona Public, which is the major newspaper here in Phoenix slash Arizona. I was a sports writer there. Her background is in graphic design, so she was actually an art director over there at the magazines. I'm old, obviously, so back in 2008, 2009, we were in a, in a very you know tough recession. The newspaper industry especially, where there's just so many layoffs that were happening. I was fine as a sports writer, just because sports are like in our own little world, but because she was an art director for magazines there, I, I guess it wasn't a, much of a, a priority for, for the newspaper back then. So we kind of knew she was on the chopping block as going to be part of the layoffs that were coming. Jenny's very talented at what she does, um, not only skill-wise, but everything else of what she does as a, as a businesswoman. But she had already been doing freelancing work for, for a bunch of people. She, you know, besides her full-time job, she, she already had a clientele. Uh, and so we knew that 
she was gonna get laid off, you know, sometime. And so she decided to start her own design and branding agency. And obviously I was there to help me being a content writer and everything like that. I was able to help on, on that side of, of the company, which we called Eco Studio. And yeah, and, and uh, we started that even before she got laid off. And lo and behold, she did get laid off and I kept my job at the Republic. But we were both working from home, working on Eco Studio while I was at my full-time job. And that company was growing and we would have you know, just me and her at home, and we would have interns come and work in our third bedroom. We would have client meetings at Starbucks, even though we didn't like, like drink coffee back then. There was just no place to go, right? There was, there was nowhere to, to have a professional creative space to go to, to not only work, but to have meetings and, and things like that. And, you know, as, as a very young, very lean, you know, startup small business, we couldn't afford our own office space, right? Even when we went to look for, for one, for the things that we, we needed and how much we could afford, right? Like we probably talked to four commercial real estate agents and like all of them hung up, two of them laughed before they did. So that was fun. And and then, you know, during that time, we were also integrating ourselves into the, the downtown Phoenix community. And we, we found other people who were in the same boat as we were, right? Like either started their own business or had their own business and are just tired of working from home, tired of working from coffee shops and just needed a place to go. Not only just to work, but also to be around other people, right? Because uh, when you're, you're working alone, yes, you, you're alone, but you're also siloed in the way of, you know, being able to, to learn and collaborate with people. And, you know, you miss that interaction of being with like-minded professionals and what you can get out of that. Just the, the learning component, also the, the emotional and internal benefits that you get from just working with other people that are doing the, the not necessarily the, the same things you're doing, but, you know, they're starting their own thing and you're starting your own thing. And just the, you know, the excitement that comes from that. And so we, we wanted to build a place for that to solve those needs not only for ourselves but for others that you know that had those problems as well so we were lucky enough to find a space to actually start that company we branded it Cahoots and we had a place that was 2,500 square feet with you know th three sorry four desks and three people and anytime someone you know bought that open desk we just used their money and bought the next desk and so on and so forth and we are celebrating our 10th year this year which is wild but that's pretty much where Cahoots came from it was just looking at the problems that we had and that others had and and just solving those problems and and meeting those needs and everything that we've done with Cahoots with the Cahoots of for-profit and Cahoots the non-profit was really just looking at what needs were out there and what problems were out there and, and which also the needs and problems that we had ourselves and just solving those. How was the transition then from being a content writer at a newspaper to then working at a marketing agency to then running Cahoots? Like you've had an interesting path and they're kind of similar in some aspects, I guess, like you're in the communications realm somewhat, but they're all very different at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had to, like you said, you know, I was able to use my skills as a writer, as a content strategist to, you know, have roles in the marketing agency and then with another startup with Cahoots and like trying to get the word out and trying to make sure we're telling our story and getting our message out there and things like that. As you can imagine, you just have to learn to be adaptable, right? And I don't think that's something that I grew up with. I don't think it's something that I thought in my, you know, when I was growing up at 10 or 12 or 13, that I want to, you know, start three companies and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I mean, like, I don't even know when the word entrepreneur started happening, but there's like, I didn't even know the word until people started 
started saying it, I don't know, was it 10 or 11 years ago? It's just, it's interesting. What, I think what, what helped me was that I could just see what we needed personally and then what we needed to get there. And so really it was just like doing it and just, and just running with it. You know, we didn't have a 10 or five year plan for cahoots. It's just, we saw what was needed and, and we did it. We're not perfect, right? We, we all have holes, we all have strengths and weaknesses. So what we tried to look at is what are our strengths and for those duties and responsibilities that cater to our strengths, can we keep doing that and running that? And then for our weaknesses, hire, you know, hire those out. And one of the weaknesses is time, right? Like we just don't have enough time for all the things that we wanna do. So yes, part of this area of community management, you know, that's my strength, but I also have to do like 99,000 other things that I can also do that not necessarily we can hire for yet, but we can hire for community management, we can hire for community organizing. And so making sure that we are able to, to hire someone to do that. So you went to college, right? Yes. So what did you study in college and stuff? Uh, I studied communications with an emphasis on journalism. So why did you pick journalism as like your emphasis? When I was growing up, I was a big bookworm, right? Like, man, I read every chance I, I could, I, I read a book. I had a book in my hand. Summer, road trips, after I did my homework, before I did my homework, I had a, I had a book in my face. And so I, I just loved books. I loved words. I loved what words can do to you, like emotionally, as well as like help you take action as well. And so I transi transitioned that into, into writing. I started writing short stories. I just started writing pretty much anything. Another part of, of myself growing up, I grew up in a big family and we also loved sports. Like sports was, was something that we did. My brother and my sister, you know, they, they played volleyball and basketball. I played baseball and, and basketball and soccer. And what was it in the, in the 92 Olympics was, you know, Barcelona, the first dream team. They finally had NBA players play for, for the US team in the Olympics and you had you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, you know, all these, all these legends. And there was a book that came out about a year after that, that I uh, checked out in the library. And it was just stories about all these guys, right? John Stockton and, Bar and, and all these guys. I was like, and it hit me and I was like, whoa, like people can write about sports. Like I can talk to these athletes and, and tell their stories and, and write about them and put them in books. And, and I grew up, and to backtrack, I, I, I grew up on Guam, which is a small South Pacific island. We were able to get sports through the TV. And then we had a small newspaper, but I don't know anyone who read about the sport. So I didn't even know that was a thing that you could actually be a sports writer. And I was like, wow, I could merge being a writer and sports like and combine that as as one so that's what i wanted to do ever since i was like 10 to 12 13 14 years old and that was my my one goal and that's all i wanted and i did it like i worked at the la times orange county register obviously the arizona republic for nine years as well so for 13 years i was a sports writer do you miss writing and producing stories like that or do you still do it on the side in some way or what do you kind of do with that i you know, I, I do get asked that a lot because a lot of people know me from, from sports writing and I actually don't miss it. Don't miss the profession or you don't miss writing? I don't, well, both. So I still write, right? Like I, I still write here and there. It's mostly from like writing of what we need from our projects that we're doing, but it's different writing, right? Like what, what I don't necessarily miss is producing the, like the sports content and things like that, where I think I, I do miss like writing in a way that motivates 
No, that's not that's not what it that's not what I'm trying to say. Is it kind of like something um, that's gripping? Like you're telling a story and there's a message that you're trying to get across. Right. Someone? Yeah. Which I which I still try to do with you know some of the marketing messages that we have, but it's it's just different, right? Like where I'm actually telling someone else's story and then formulating it in a way that like like you said like grips uh, a reader's attention and their emotions and and everything else like that. Like I think that part I miss, but like merging sports and like writing about athletes or writing about games or, or things like that I don't necessarily miss I think that it's be- mostly because I love what I I love what I do right now it's been you know 10 years of doing it but every day is different in sports it can be very monotonous I just you know say okay like this team lost again uh, this is how I'm going to write the 30th different way of how they lost but with what I do now with helping people and helping people with you know their their projects or their businesses or their companies um, everyone, while we have, you know, the foundationally the the same problems and we're facing, everyone's story is different. I meet so many different new people almost every day. I'm like fascinated by that. And that's what also helped me in my journalism career, like in being curious and, you know, asking questions and trying to learn uh, people's stories and understand where they're coming from. I get to do that now, but it's it just in a different realm. What's been the biggest struggle and or hurdle in your either like personal or professional life in getting to where you are now, a fresh 40 years old? The biggest obstacle really was, and we, you know, there's so many things that you learn, right? There's so many things that you learn every single day and you fail every single day and you try to get over that. But I think the, the biggest thing that we've learned through all of this is, you know, the people that you surround yourself with and the people that... Not only that you surround yourself with it with your so-called friends and, and or, or things like that, but it's you know specifically in, in business people that you you bring on to help you accomplish the goals that you have in your business, right? Like whether it's hiring, whether it's like bringing on a partner or, or anything like that. You, we've we've really learned the hard way of hiring slow and firing fast. I think through even the first seven years. We had to learn and relearn that message. And even when you do hire slow and you feel like you're you did the right thing and you've gone through the process that you're supposed to go through, it still may not work out. And then when it still doesn't work out, you have to learn. You know, we had to learn like when to let things go. How do you like working with your wife? Yeah, we've like divorced like 20 times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're we're fine. It's interesting, right? Because you know we're obviously together all the time. Work life doesn't matter. I think it took us six years to learn how to work together. We had a lot of hard conversations. We've had a, a lot of our heads butting, and we just stuck with it because obviously we, you know, besides our work life, obviously we we love each other, and we know that we're both coming from a place of of love and respect, and we've just had to learn, you know, what how each of us works, how each of us like communicates in, at least in business. It was really hard. I think those first four, four years or six years, it's fun because we get to create something together and we get to accomplish things together just outside of family life. What's the dream big time goal for Cahoots? That we just like envelop the world and we just consume it yeah. for ourselves. No, the big time goal for Cahoots is really to help as just like, I don't, and, and, and this can, you know, people can take this however with a small grain of salt or a large grain of salt, but you know, everything that we, we do with Cahoots is by purpose and with intention and everything we do is coming from that place. And so really the, the big goal for Cahoots is just to try to help as many people as possible. 
we're not here to tell you what to do. What we're here for is to to listen and to hear and to to learn and to understand. And then from there, we can formulate with you what the next step is. Because of the, the pandemic, we've had some attrition in our physical space, but we've always, whether through it's our nonprofit or even through the for-profit, we've always done educational programming for entrepreneurs. Because we aren't able to gather you know, physically through this pandemic, what we've done is we've taken our educational platform and actually put it on a digital platform. And we've partnered with the city of Mesa. Now we are partnering with the city of Gilbert and the city of Phoenix, where we're, we're putting our resources of expert speakers and workshops, as well as our list of advisors who will do one-on-one -on -one sessions on, on finances or, or design or writing. What we've done is we've taken, we've taken that into a digital platform where, we've, where now we're in uh, uh, cities and, and partnering with city governments where, where we are able to then bring that to the small business owners and entrepreneurs or you know whatever they want to label themselves of that city where you know I'm a I'm a mom and pop shop in Mesa and I'm struggling through the pandemic of marketing or you know or making sure my space is safe for people to come in I need help well oh the city has this program and they've partnered with Cahoots on this digital platform I can go on this platform and not only can I learn, I could have um, a free edu education on, on you know, workshops on marketing. I could also book an advisor that will help me with, with sales. And then also within this platform, we have a social network component where people will also be able to meet each other and collaborate with, with each other then. So we've kind of just taken the physical coots, put it out visually, and then we're not limited by distance. We're trying to reach as many cities as possible because we know that it's working it's, it's worked in mesa it's working in mesa and we see it what's an average day look like for you i wake up either at five or six sometimes i run in the morning just depends on if i feel like it but i usually no matter if i run or not i make sure that i prepare like breakfast and and pack lunch for our six-year-old daughter then i kind of get myself ready i wake i wake our daughter up some people think i work a lot like jenny works like way too much and so I don't even bother Jenny in the morning. I'm just like, she knows like her schedule. She'll get up whenever she needs to get up because I inherently just wake up earlier. And so like, okay, man, it's on me. And so I have to just make sure like everything else is ready for our daughter and for myself. Yeah, and then we usually just come to Cahoots. I have like usually a meetings in the morning. I have a bunch of like emails to get to, whether it's like membership inquiries or event inquiries or like people I need to connect to or we also have meetings with our nonprofit and if I'm in Cahoots and uh, someone needs like a physical tour like I'll I'll do that yeah and then that's just like throughout the day I either have meetings or we use a task management system called Asana and so I just have like a bunch of tasks in there whether it's like related to content or it's related to Cahoots yeah I just kind of just work throughout the day while also trying to get my six-year-old daughter to do virtual first grade. Man, I am not a teacher. And also I thought I was a good parent until I had to do virtual first grade. My six-year-old daughter was like, oh, wow, maybe, I, maybe I'm not patient. Maybe I'm not a good parent. And I just had to like have that, that big introspective uh, moment. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I gotta be better. Yeah, I gotta be a better father. Yeah, I thought I was great at this. Teachers are, man, they are so underpaid and so underappreciated. Like it's from from you know kindergarten all the way all the way up. It's it's pretty it's pretty mind-boggling how we treat our education system um, in this country.
So, How would you change the education system if you had the power to do that? I would go to a place where they actually care about those things, like South Korea, Germany. Oh, you would physically move? If you well, to, yeah, I mean, like you would I, go and learn from them there, right? And just okay. like, hey, y'all, this is how it's done, and then yeah, and then and do that. It's hard. I mean, that's like that's a big question, right? So it's one, it's just a- appreciating the people in that are leaders in that educational system and giving them not only the power but the resources to actually get it done correctly, as well as how they, you know, what their goals are and how they foresee it happening, which is, you know, a tenth of what they actually are able to do. Now, right, and, and you know, there's a whole big other part of that with our um, you know economic system and societal problems as well that that plays into that. So if we're able to at least just give the resources that they need, I think that's how it would change it. And college, like, should not cost that. Like, college should not cost that much. So I went to a Cal State University, and I had residency. I just had a part-time job, paid my, you know, my degree. I didn't have to take any loans or anything like that, or financial assistance. It was just dirt cheap. But <laughs> like, I just had a part-time job, and I was like, I, I go up to the counter. I was like, oh, how how much was it semester? Oh, okay, <laughs> write it write it on a check on this like paper check that no one knows what what they are anymore, but they used to exist then, um, along with phones with cords on them, which is strange and things called beepers that's what college should be whether it's it's free or or at least affordable there has to be a way um, to do that so if you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to a complete stranger on the side of the street what you do how would you answer i help connect people to the skills talent and resources that they know they need and some that they may not know they need to get them where they want to go if you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? It'd be, read another book. <laughs> this one is not for you, friend. It's, it's very touching. What are two pros and two cons to what you do? Two pros of what I do is, what I get to work with my wife. Like I've talked about, it's, you know, it's hard. You know, we get to build things together and, and create impact together. And I couldn't imagine, you know, doing anything like that without her. So that's one. Two... I talked about this before, like, again, I'm just, you know, fascinated by other people's stories. I love just, like, talking to people and asking them questions, and, you know, when sometimes when people come in for tours, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm from somewhere else, and uh, this is my first time in Phoenix, and it's like, I have, like, 85 questions for you, but you only have time for 84, so here we go. Cons are, one, like, I don't, like, again, like, no one has enough time. Right? If I didn't have to sleep, if I didn't have to eat, and I love sleeping and I love food, but if I didn't have to do that, right, then I could do more things. And that's, I think, not specific to what I do, but it's just, you know, that's just a con of, you know, of working and, and loving what you do. I think it's just, you know, time is a huge factor that you have no control over. So that's a con. A second con is that... A con is that I, you know, because I, I am able to have or formulate or cultivate a relationship, relationships with people because of life, right? Like relationships come and go or people move away or like people get different jobs or they create something else and they, and they move on. Another con is like, you know, seeing other people go and, and you're happy for them and you'd like to think that you've helped them along that journey, but you know, when, when they go, like it's just life and you just 
you just see people go into a another or in the same direction just like farther away from you and and you know you're just not as part of their life as you once were and and that's fine uh, but you you know whatever you miss people um, we're all human we all you know need that that connection but yeah this is just another one it's just you know you you have relationships with people and 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 they are you know going on you know their path and you may not necessarily be along with them and that's and that's fine but that's just one thing where it's like yeah i see you and you know we're we're still connected but yeah i miss like our conversations or just like like seeing those people anyway anyone tissue, tissue? <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's hard to grapple with in any regard <laughs> <of life. laughs> all right if you had 24 hours to live unlimited money could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and take whoever you wanted what would you do i would take I would take all of my family, every single damn one of them, cousins and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and my immediate family. I would take all of them and we would go, where would we go? We would go, I want to, I don't know, this is weird, I don't know. Okay, option one, I would uh, bring everyone back from Guam so we could have just like this, this family reunion where everyone gets to be together and we could like cook all this food and it would be like what we were, what it was like when, you know, I was growing up until I was, you know, 17 and I and I left the island and when, and we could just have those moments again together. The other option would be to bring everyone to Ireland. Uh, I have this one cousin who had like traveled like all around the world and I asked her what is her favorite place like of all the places she's been and she said Ireland I was, and I've never been there and I was like wow it's like she, she was just like it's just like beautiful there and it's just the nature and like and just it's just like the most beautiful place she's ever been. And how great would it be if to take like all the people in my family, everyone that I love, and go to you know one of the most beautiful places in the world? Would Odin at eight, ten, twelve, whatever age you want to pick, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? He would, right? Like honestly, I thought I wasn't gonna make it past thirty, and it's not because of anything I did or what I was doing. It's just like I don't know. Like I don't know what past thirty looks like, and I don't even know if I'm gonna make it there. So. I'm just gonna do what I can to, and not that I live like some crazy like life or anything like that. I just I don't know what it was. I was like, wow, if I could make it past 30, then you know it's smooth, from there, which is kind of a weird thing to say for someone who really I I don't have a crazy life, but because I I grew up in a in a big family and like a really like a big loving family, it's kind of like I think when I talk about it with Jenny, like it's like. Or with anybody else, it's like, it's sickening how much, like, we care about each other. Because I grew up in, in that kind of family, I've always wanted a family of my own. And, and always wanted to be a father, and so, uh, because I'm a father now, I think, like, I'm living the life that I want, like, you know, that, that I wanted, right? Like, I, I was able to accomplish my goal of being a sports writer. Sure, I'm not a sports writer anymore, but what I'm doing now, I'd, I'd rather do. I have my six-year-old daughter, which is amazing. What do you want to do in the next six to 12 months, either personally and or professionally? The next six to 12 months, man, like I, so, you know, saying goodbye to my thirties, I, th I think was like a big thing for me. And so I wanted to take this like big trip when I turned 40, right? It's like, yeah, we're gonna go to Iceland. Like I'm gonna invite whoever, you know, wants to go or it has a means to go, we're gonna go, we're gonna hit it up. We're gonna see the Northern Lights. We're gonna stay up, you know, until 6 a.m. and do the whole thing. And then, you know, the whole thing happened and like, okay, well, we can't go anywhere now. And what are you gonna do when you're 40? Uh, I don't know, like plan for the next time we can actually go. So hopefully within the next six to 12 months, I actually get to take that trip. It's between Iceland and New Zealand now. 
and I'm leaning toward New Zealand because it's relatively cheaper. We get to do more things. And then maybe I could go to Guam, like, as part of that trip. That would be amazing. So that's definitely one thing. Another thing is to, at least in, in, our, in our professional lives, is get Gilbert, our platform in, in the city, a town of Gilbert going and get that successful. Same for the city of Phoenix, and then hopefully bring in and onboard more cities in the next 12 months, and that will help us get to our goals. My two takeaways from my conversation with Odin are first, the importance of hiring slow and firing fast. But even still with this method, you're not going to be 100% correct in your choices. Things will happen, such as life, but you have to adjust. The second is the importance of having intention and purpose surrounding everything you do in your life. Not just your business, but every aspect of your life, having purpose and intention around the choices and decisions that you make. 